I'm playing with fire. There is a possibility that something might happen, and I have to be okay with the fact that I danced, and it's quite possible the piper's going to say, here's my bill. In this episode of Inside HIV, two of the world's biggest gay porn stars, Jesse Jackman and Dirk Kaber, in a very raw conversation about HIV and the porn industry today. Welcome to Inside HIV, the podcast for positive people. Made possible thanks to the Victorian AIDS Council, VAC, working together, and Vive Healthcare, positive action community grants. Follow on Twitter at HIV Podcast and like us on Facebook. Hi, I'm Dean Beck, and in the midst of the AIDS crisis, gay porn was lauded for showing gay men how to have safe sex. And that was back in the 1990s. A decade later, as underground bareback porn producers went from being web-only access to DVD production and distribution, it became very clear, very quickly, just what consumers wanted to watch. So in a post-prep, post-treatment as prevention world, what is the state of play with the porn industry today? Jesse Jackman, Dirk Caper, thank you very much for joining us on Inside HIV. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. The porn world is a very different world today than... uh, Two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, you guys only perform on camera with condoms, but that world is very different to what it was when bareback stuff was underground, online only, before it was even available on DVD. With PrEP and treatment as prevention, what does the porn world look like and how does that play out these days? I think there's a lot more with with this certain sense of sex being safer somehow because of prep um there's not as much sense that porn needs to set a set an example a good example for for you know how to take care of yourself um sexually and uh i see we, we've both seen an awful lot of this coming back around i mean porn is porn's about fantasy it's not really supposed to be sex ed although yeah, i'm not sure what australia's situation is but you <laughs> know in the united hopeless, states actually. they're you know when what sex ed is don't until you get married yeah. that's not particularly helpful especially with the gay community so an awful lot of us get our sex education from watching videos mm-hmm. um when that video shows no sign of any sort of taking care of what you need to do to protect yourself from these other little things well not even a conversation yeah. about consent i mean no exactly I mean, let's a, go back a, to basics in yeah. fact in certain scenarios because it is fantasy there is no consent and that makes oh, yeah, a pointed yeah, yeah. example of yeah, that yeah. because it's fantasy but yes there is no there is no demonstration at all of starting in a conversation but moving towards you know with bareback porn there's no condom there's no uh, condom use there's no discussion of taking prep you know, and so, people are getting so their what's your status exactly. There's, there's no, there, there's really no way to eroticize your daily regimen of taking 
prep if that's even available to you. And if you're going to set an example in, from the sexual education point of view, you can't. There, there really is no other way than with a condom to show the actual you know, effort being made to. I guess you could uh, swallow a blue pill on camera, but that's not really. You could, but that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily tie into the sex, for that matter. I mean, the, yeah. the nice thing about the gesture of putting on a condom is a visual representation yes. of taking care of yourself. It's not to say it has to be a condom. People sure, would hopefully be smart to okay. look at their situation. Let's go and, back to yeah. 1978, mm-hmm. uh, and we would never mean having this conversation. No, we would not. That's correct. Every- the only sex we knew was the sex we were having, and mm-hmm. none of this was relevant. Most things that you caught, you could go to your doctor and get a pill sure. or get a shot, and it was taken care of. We didn't have an issue yet with, with things being resistant to antibiotics well, yeah. or even or- And, and that, that raises an interesting point as well, is when people are talking about safer sex and barebacking and porn, the conversation almost invariably goes directly to HIV. And there are so mm-hmm. many other STIs mm-hmm. out there that uh, that you do need to protect yourself. And Dirk, Dirk is absolutely right. There are ways to do that. You get a shot or you take an antibiotic run or something like that now. But it's still, it's something that you should be taking care of yourself with. And PrEP is going to help you prevent... Uh, uh, getting uh, HIV, but it's not going to prevent you from getting hepatitis. You've both had relationships with a serodiscordant relationships with someone um, that is positive, mm-hmm. uh, and you both continue to have sex with positive people. Tell me how, about how you manage that, both individually and in your relationship. Well, um, in in uh, in my uh, serodiscordant relationship, uh, actually, uh, for the first. Uh, few months my partner did not was not aware of his status he had zero converted about a month or two we think before we met and he found it in his next scheduled checkup but that was not several until several months into our relationship um so i i would um say that probably the reason why i'm still negative is that uh, anal sex was not really a priority in our relationship it was not something that either one of us were really into at the time i am now but i wasn't back then um so our risk factor was uh, was much lower but it would have put the fear of god into you i would imagine I, at the time, I, I don't think, if, this was before PrEP was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, available, and he didn't, no, I, I was I was mostly concerned about him at the time because I know my risk level was low, but yeah, after four months of dating someone who had been positive the whole time, and likely had a very high viral load at the at the beginning and the mm-hmm. onset, I, I do consider myself fortunate not to. I mean, yeah, it, uh, HIV is not, you know, a, it's a, it's a it's a manageable disease now, but it's not something I want to have to manage if I don't have to. So right now, I consider myself to still be a serious nuisance. Yeah, it, it is, it is, and in places where treatment is not available, or if you don't have the resources to to manage it, it it's it's really that's not something I would want for anyone. But I understand that it's not it, it, for a serious discordant relationship. It's certainly not a deal breaker. I know it is for some people, but I, I it just doesn't really ever. Uh, uh, as long as you, you, you're taking the right precautions and you want to stay negative, you certainly can. Take your experience. Had two relationships which were Sarah discordant, one of which uh, we'd, we'd mentioned in another conversation about some early relationships that ended with, with, a, with a partner suicide. The second one of those, um, he came back from a vacation, ha- uh, had a serious flu a couple months later, which took forever to get over, and finally he had a doctor fairly early on in these sorts of things in the suburban world, which who said maybe we should test you for this weird new thing and he he had sorry he was positive mm. and there had never been a condom between the two of us so, so as far as he was concerned he'd signed my death warrant too and we were talking about like the early 90s so 
I mean, yeah, there's medicine out there and so forth starting to be, but you know, suburban kids you know, living outside of the urban world, what do we know about that? Yeah, somehow out of out of, I, I really wish he'd talk to me because I came out of the relationship and I was still negative. Could still here be here with us? Um, some years later, had another boyfriend who, you know, for a number of very good reasons, had a lot of distrust of doctors. Went to see this this uh, this this African herbalist. Who now could, this is a fascinating story. This is this is one of those things where people who want to live in denial of something can do it really rather expeditiously. Mm. Um, this fellow, this doctor. Lived on, you know, just still dealt with this, this older notion that HIV had nothing to do with AIDS. HIV was a virus that just, you know, got half of the human population ran around with anyway. It did, you know, it just, it was just was being blamed for. It's like Epstein Barr and chronic fatigue syndrome or, or whatever it's else. It's always and been there. We exactly. just now have a name for exactly. it. Yeah. Well, it. Well, just, you know, we, we now have a set of symptoms that, well, it must be the fault of this thing because we can't blame it on anything else. Well, you know, despite the fact that even at that point we knew pretty much that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. The, this boyfriend of mine still bought into that. As and a result, you, you yourself had, had been uh, fixed by this uh, doctor um, on a number of occasions had, yourself. I'd, I'd gone to him a couple of times to try some things out. And some of the things he, he preferred, I mean, the man actually was rather brilliant. He he, he, uh, he had an herb for everything in the Linus sense. It's amazing what giraffe um, testicles will do for you I mean, when you're not feeling well. <laughs> everything that he did was plant-based. That was the other thing. <laughs> right. you know, I mean, so seriously, it's, it's, but, you know, I remember sitting there with, with uh, IVs in each arm and he's taking blood out of one side and infusing it with something and putting it back in the other side. I'm sitting here thinking, what am I letting this man do? to myself and it fixed what it was supposed to fix that was the that was the real amazing thing so whether that's metal or not i don't know anyway the conversation that i had with his boyfriend a number of times he completely sidestepped the issue and i didn't catch that mm. so again you know year-long relationship never condom between the two of us and somehow you know i came out of that relationship and I, it was years later that i found out that he'd been positive the whole time right um and found out from a mutual friend um, he's come a long way. He's grown up. He's he's on medication. He's he's, he's seen the light and all that stuff now. But um, you know, it, it, there there have been theories about you know even going back to the to the early nineties about you know some people being resistant to whatever else. I just figured my number hadn't come up yet. But the the knowledge I came out of that with, and it was a few years later as I'm coming to having more open, sensitive relationships with people, and I'm starting to meet more people who are openly and honest about their HIV their status and their treatment for it and what they do to stay healthy and all that stuff. I thought, you know, it's not it's it's silly to hate people who have the disease in any way. That's that's just cutting myself off from an entire population of people who could be friends, lovers, whatever else. Good fuck. So if nothing else, exactly, and so respect the disease. So you know, a number of these friends, it's we would have sex in many cases without a condom. It'd just be a case of saying, I know you. I know how much you love me. I know that you would be even more heartbroken if anything happened between the two of us. And there were a couple of friends who actually decided to stop the relation, the sexual aspect mm-hmm. of the relationship because they didn't want that sort of responsibility. Yeah. And that was fine. Um, with the sense that they were going to be as concerned for the buck stops here. The, 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 you know, so we were being very careful about where fluids went mm-hmm. and what yeah. we did. And you know, if there was an injury or anything else like that, we were just being very mindful of what we did. Yeah. But we still did it. And we, you know, it was just... I still managed to have a hell of a lot of fun. Um, again, before prep, I also had to go into this saying, you know, this is, you're, I'm playing with fire. There is a possibility that something might happen, and I have to be okay with the fact that I danced, and it's quite possible the Piper's going to say, here's my bill. I totally get how empowering prep must be in that space. Mm-hmm. Does treatment as prevention negate the use of prep for you? 
It does not. No, right. in the sense that you know, okay, my my status, my statistics are that despite having had these sexual relationships with these men who have this virus, I didn't get the disease. Well, all that means is I've simply not gotten it yet. So as a result, they are treating themselves and doing what they need to do to keep the rest of the world around them safe and keep themselves healthy. Yeah. I am doing also what I need to do to keep myself healthy. And I get the it. truth of the matter is by yeah. both of us, by all of us doing that together, you open up the world of possibility in terms of what you can yeah. do together. And I have a, a, a very strong example of that as well, is that the um, the – man I dated who zero converted a month or two before we got together uh, he lost an earlier partner to AIDS mm-hmm. and took care of this man as he was dying and so of all the people in the world I think my my ex-boyfriend now he, he would have been the most vigilant and was likely the most vigilant person out there. And he didn't want to have to go through what he had seen with his partner. So he was very careful to use a condom all the time. There's one situation that he doesn't know what happened uh, to expose him to HIV. But even that, even with that, I think what Dirk said was dead on point is that you have to be you have to take care of your own part of the equation. of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. You are responsible for taking care of your health, and the person you're with is responsible for taking care of theirs. And yes, it helps for the, the uh, prevention. Uh, treatment is prevention um, is is beneficial, but you also have to do your part in that as well. And yeah. for me, that's that's taking prep and being and 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 being safe, safer than without. Let me just say also, it's not necessarily about sex. My first time on post exposure prophylaxis was from having performed uh, 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 first aid on somebody in a club. Somebody had gashed right. his shoulder wide right. open. And I'd you know, direct pressure on the wound and send my friend inside to find his friends and call 911 and all that other stuff. And I'm sitting there and I am covered. I need to just add hero to your list of oh, no, credits. <laughs> anybody would have done it. I just have to be the guy who was there. Um, oh, he's so, yeah. But I, you know, the, the court, you know, exhausted. I went and rubbed my eyes yeah, and then right. realized that I had just, squished a whole bunch of this guy's blood into my own eyes and I couldn't see or anything like that so I'm a little panicked already and his friend comes back out and says okay you should know that you know we're both we're both positive and he says you might want to go see a doctor now happily I knew about post-exposure prophylaxis mm-hmm. which my friends I was with hadn't even heard of this yet I yeah. had just read about it maybe a week before um, so yeah I went to my doctor and you know she says you know here's the thing as far as our numbers know, is the moment full load of cum, and I'm not going to remember the exact numbers, so I'm going to make them up. I don't say these are exactly right, but she says, full load of cum in the ass. You're probably going to be one in 300 chance of seroconversion. In the mouth, your saliva is much more antipathogenic, so it's much more, maybe one in 3,000. Your tears are even more so. You're probably fine. Aren't you going to feel stupid if you don't do something about yes, it? Yes, exactly. But that's just it. Is, and now we, all that, know, yeah. we all know cases of it only took one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Famous uh, last uh, words. Uh, but now that I'm actually taking the pill every morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no longer, I, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't need to live in any sort of worry yeah. about. So what does that do for you? How does that free you up? And uh, how does that transform the relationships you have, um, either personally or professionally, but all sexually, mm-hmm. how does that change things for you? Well, enormously in that, okay, of, I, I think you mentioned in another conversation that I have these other friends that I have sex with, um, and many of them are HIV positive. Coming into the relationship with Jesse, even though I had insisted that I need to keep these relationships alive and continuing on the level they've been continuing on, 
I was aware that, okay, on my side of that equation now, there's not just me. There's now me and this other gentleman inside of this 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 little circle that we've drawn. Um, and I certainly don't want to be the person to endanger him. Yeah. So, yeah, I... When prep came around, it was, it was there was a grand case of being able to say, "This is something that I can do not only to keep myself safe but to keep him safe too." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it didn't matter. You know, we we had a, a conversation probably for a good year after prep after prep came out as to whether or not we were going to go on it or not because we were worried about whether or not it might change our behaviors or something like that and <laughs> grow another head. But that was just well, well and, and there was a lot of talk about what side effects might be in the long term and all that other stuff too and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really, the ultimate gift only came down to, I don't want him to get sick on my account either. So, A, a friend of mine uh, who used to work at um, uh, Gay Men's Health Organization in Boston uh, would call uh, HIV a uh, low-incidence, high-impact disease in that, you know, dark statistics were, were, were pretty accurate earlier in that, you know, your chances of... Uh, catching HIV from an exposure like that are relatively low, but the impact upon your life is gigantic. So if you can take even a small step uh, and one pill a day, and fortunately it's, our, our insurance covers it. I know this is an ongoing process here in Australia, but in, in, the, in the States we've got fairly good health insurance mm-hmm. that covers PrEP. Um, taking even that, that step, which in my case it doesn't add much of a level, a layer of protection because I'm already fairly safe and conscious about what I'm doing sexually, but it does add a layer of protection there that if, if I can do anything to mitigate that high, that high impact, I will. So what role does legislation play in the regulation of an industry like that of the porn industry? They do attempt to to uh, to try to, to uh, control it in certain ways. Uh, Los Angeles, so a little while ago, uh, passed legislation that said that any porn film filmed within Los Angeles County, yeah, measure um, B, yeah, measure B, has to involve condom use. It, mm-hmm. The condoms have to be used, which just meant the producers moved out. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, not that a whole lot of bareback porn was being filmed in Los Angeles at the time in the gay world. Mm. The straight side of the world never had this same condom to condom or not to condom debate that the gay world. Yeah, they've been bareback for a long time. Yeah. Well, you hit them the same way. Um, it was the straight porn world that really got hit by that. Yes, um, and and there are you you do run into uh, straight performers who will go basically go out public and in interviews about this will say, "Yeah, I'm breaking the law right now." They continue yeah. to film in 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 uh, LA County, and there was an attempt fairly recently to extend that legislation. Uh, uh, statewide, California, yeah, uh, yeah um, uh, Proposition sixty, which you may have heard a little bit about here, uh, which was overturned through education, through outreach with some of the industry uh, members, a lot of industry members getting on board with this They're because we don't to want the our behavior regulated. A little light in the picture, aren't they? I mean, we were told to stay out of the conversation a lot of the times because it was felt that if you got the gay perform performers involved in the political conversation, it would delegitimize our own side point, our, our own point, our own viewpoint of it. And that only changed fairly recently. That you know, it's okay. These are the people on the forefront who actually are in the in the you know on you're literally on the the edge of the industry. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The people who are actually being exposed, possibly, yeah, or, yeah, or, or, or the ones who know the, the risk that they're taking. The, the um, highest. So risk, as a result, yeah. these are the people who might have something to say about it. Well, how have production companies and producers shifted? I guess in this evolution of uh, biomedical intervention, there were studios that vowed and declared. Never, ever, ever, ever will they do bareback porn that now do. Yeah, uh, yeah I just want your take on, on the industry. Bareback porn sells better. 
always has. That it is comes the down line. to that. It, always it, has. Uh, the last I heard was two to one. Well, uh, back in my day, which is a long time ago now, it was ten to one in the retail store. So, oh boy. Well, wow. there's a lot more available for that matter at this point. Bareback porn well, now available than there was. I mean, I wouldn't know how long ago your day was, but you yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, it's not that not that ago. much longer than mine. But it, it no, it, it, just in the last five years, you've seen this tremendous shift and. You can honestly say it, it boils down to, frankly, good business. That, that yeah. on, it, in, in, in an environment where porn is having a difficult time surviving financially, we don't sell hard copies. We don't sell DVDs for $75 anymore. Mm-hmm. People go online and pay for the three minutes it takes them to jerk off. And, they're, and they log off and, and that's it. Takes it. that long? Some people. <laughs> um, or, or they pirate it. People, yeah, yeah. people steal it yeah. right and left. There is not enough money coming into the porn industry at the moment to be able to support... It, uh, uh, right, you know that, that sort of production mm-hmm. level. So, if you're going to produce something that's going to sell for the short period of time that it's going to sell before it's pirated and sort of starts to disappear, you have to produce something that's going to sell fast. Yes, and mm-hmm. the bareback stuff porn. Yeah, stuff. and I think for a lot of studios, it was a matter of survival. It's yeah. like if we don't switch over to bareback porn, and certain studios have done with this in certain ways. Like their main line has stayed bareback, but they'll spin off companies. That, I mean, we'll stay condom yeah, porn, yeah, and yeah, their yeah. spin off companies will then start filming bareback, or uh, they'll use. Uh, uh, they'll say, "Well, we use prep now, so everything's okay." Not addressing the other STIs that are exposed, or not you know showing the demonstration of, of it's pre- been prep fascinating on film. to watch the squirming of yes, some producers it's really though, interesting, in this isn't space. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it really is interesting. Serial uh, uh, um, sorting, serial sorting is another uh, technique that some studios mm-hmm. have claimed to use, but then we've sort of realized that they're not. They're, they're and all right for some, pro- yes. not all right for others. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Michael Lucas was one that uh, was in one direction very vehemently, and then switched one eighty, and explained why. Well, he gave a good explanation as to why, yes. Financial motivation at the end of the day is going to uh, return much greater. Well, that's rewards. that's my thought on it. I mean, I'm not on the business side of things, but my understanding is, and, and, and Dirk is absolutely right with the piracy and, and uh, the, the way it sells. It's, it, it is. And there are some studios that have remained true to their cause in both camps. Right. In both camps. Mm-hmm. Um, how hard is it for those that uh, only do condom-based sex to remain viable in this day and age? It's, it's been a challenge. It really is. And you see different studios going different directions in terms of how to keep themselves afloat financially. They're the ones that acquire other larger studios and make themselves these huge conglomerates in the hopes of making themselves... Because content is king. Content is king, yeah. exactly. The more you're putting out on a, on, a, on a very small interval basis, the, faster you, the better able to stay ahead of the pirates you are. Um, or there are the ones that then really focused on producing less material but of a particularly po- particularly high polish a particularly mm. high production level yeah well to be fair i think that the entire industry has been suffering i mean mm. with with piracy and with uh, amateur content especially being published online by anybody with a you know webcam or, or cell phone uh, the, the entire industry the 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 the, uh, the established side of it has been in decline for some time and i think it's not just whether or not you've been in one camp or the other i, I i'm i'm no you know uh, I'm no businessman. I couldn't tell you the the uh, degrees to which condom only or bareback studios have been suffering or benefiting from their uh, from from the changes in the industry. But it's it's certainly industry wide. Australia's largest wholesale distributor that once uh, represented over 120 international brands in in porn no longer distributes porn. No longer. Well, nobody produces does. hard copies anymore. Yeah. Everything is distributed online now. Mm-hmm. You just log into the site and. But that is a, a classic example of um, the, the 
the dramatic change in the last five years. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, it's been challenging uh, for the studios that I'm familiar with to stay in business like that. And uh, there are there are ways to maintain it. I mean, uh, it, as you said, content is king. If you put out a nice polished product, there's an audience for that. Uh, if you're catering to a particular niche market, there's an audience for that. Establishing a brand from from a performer's perspective, we're we're brands that are marketed and people follow us and buy our products. So studios will work with with performers who. Have have established that brand and that following. There are a number of ways to mitigate these. Uh, oh, I've always said that for gay porn actors, uh, what you see on screen is really just a marketing tool for their uh, personal and private life uh, where they're escorting, um, which is, lot, yeah. is still the core of their own business in that regard. But that's about having a business. That's about an individual brand and marketing it, it is it is and how that ties into barebacking interestingly is that uh it, it, people will hire cl- um uh, uh performers who will then they will ask the the the, the escort and the performer in the escort role to do such and such a thing because well why can't i because that's what i've seen on in in porn you, what you what do you mean we're not going to have bareback sex here i thought i saw you do that on screen well that's on screen that's different that's in a controlled environment with high definition video cameras watching everything and you know that your partner is on uh, prep or whatever the, the cases are or, or tested or in treatment or, yeah. it, being treated the escorting is an unknown environment but the client Clients want what you're marketing, and that can be a challenge for people. And and uh, it it does it if it directly the marketing directly affects the product that people want to purchase. I know that it makes everything sound so business like, but it, it really well, it is, is a business. It I really mean, is. Uh, yeah. it is a business like any other business. Um, that's true. You mentioned earlier that uh, studios have had to diversify, and that's meant that uh, uh, they've gone in directions where they've been a little edgier than perhaps they might have once been previously this is true this is true it goes both ways many of the larger studios have taken down some of their edgier ends of things because they didn't sell as much so why Mm -hmm. put the effort Mm -hmm. into it when the more the more standard stuff is where the money and the flip side of that is you you will see other taboos being pushed that may not have been pushed as hard in the past like edging towards 18 and a day old or your you know somebody's stepfather creepy stepfather or uh you know you, glor- would, you would never have seen a gay title with the word incest in it uh, oh, when i was working not. in in the industry no, no, no. and these days yeah and there's a whole uh, genre certain studios you also see sort of glorification of uh of uh, hiv infection as, oh, uh, yeah it's really i mean the, in order to keep Bug the chasing. customers coming back you need to create this edgier and edgier content and you, you i think there is you you are seeing that quite a bit on the flip side you're also seeing more effort put into highly produced porn and and intri- more interesting storylines there's certainly an audience for that do people watch porn for the storylines uh you know what I, I they do and i have been shocked by the number of female fans that we have there's an love, mark. <laughs> who absolutely absolutely love the story and the connection that is involved between the characters and the whole scene as a whole and i i think we we've, we've done some marketing research i, I about 15% of our fans are straight women can you wow yeah wow. I, I could not believe that i thought well maybe we've got a couple out there but no it's really is can quite you a watch uh, um this is probably going to sound stupid. When I see studio porn online, it seems to be broken up into scenes and things. It's all very choppy. It re- like, can you watch a bloody movie? 
when we went from producing DVDs, where you might end up with four scenes with sort of an interlocking storyline of some sort, to producing, uh, you know, you would go online and buy yourself you know, a package of so many scenes and so forth, it didn't make sense to many studios to work so hard to produce a, a, a concrete set of four scenes when no one was going to watch the four scenes yeah. together. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the, the the move maybe about six, seven years ago within those larger studios was just to produce scenes. And maybe, you know, if you produce a CD, link scenes together just by having a thematic content yeah. link of some sort. But then... So, yeah, just in the last three or four years, some of these studios have pushed back against yeah, that right. It's a bit, of a, so. a bit of a throwback now because what you're referring to, if you went to see pornography back in the 70s, 80s, you went to a theater to mm, do this. Mm. You were sitting in the theater for a good 80, 90 minutes. There had to be, or was often, more often than now, a plot, a storyline, as bad as it could be. There was something to keep you in that seat for 90 minutes. Was, and now that's three minutes online, jerk off and you're done, as Dirk referred to earlier. So there's no real market for that. But I think increasingly you are seeing a bit of a, a return to the no, more thematic, story-driven follow the characters through these scenes and you will see actually single characters meandering their way uh, we've got not only a, across scenes but actually yeah. across movies now. yeah it's yeah. true we have a we have a scene coming out of titan uh, a film coming out of titan um in a couple months that i helped to write thank you very much that follows the course of a new porn star through the meeting of the individual who then connects them with the studio it really does have go. a story it really it, it has a story line. it's based on my own experience right. getting into the industry six okay. years ago so we're trying to do that we're trying to focus on the characters a little bit more because i think people connect with the characters so the same way they connect with the brand and they'll follow those characters through the various movies that they do and that that, that ties in also with not only characters but then they associate the characters with the actor itself and when you have people who do follow particular actors then the character actually becomes comes to mean something even more to that to that set of fans as well. Speaking of stepfathers. <laughs> Speaking of stepfathers, yes. How many step how many stepchildren do you have, Dirk? Oh, Are we up to twelve? Go ask the blogs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's gaze into our crystal balls. Yes, sir. And uh, what do you see for the industry in five years' time? Where do you think it'll be? Oh, this is a very interesting question. This is going to be a fight. We are headed into a fight, especially with our new administration. Uh, what you're seeing these days is it, certain states, we're up to four of them at last count, in the U.S. have declared pornography a public health crisis, like a government decree. And one state, in fact, Utah, has gone so far as to allocate funding to research this public health menace. It's not an educational imperative. It's a public health crisis. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's The a claim health- is it's ruining marriages. It's, it's, it's leading ki- leading kids into, into you know, sexual depravity. Sexually desensitized. And, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, it's, it's been labeled an addictive... Uh, uh, Is it making them gay yet? Always uh, doing that long. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's it's. So what you're seeing is an increasing number of states uh, lash out against this, and because I believe because it looks good politically for the states with a more conservative constituency, but. Uh, it, it, I think that the pornography industry is going to be uh, faced with more and more battles against this movement to declare their industry a public menace. And you're starting to see it in certain states, and you're you're starting to see increasing attempts at increasing regulation of the porn industry in the states that are not willing to go that far. But we've already seen, even at the federal level, we have the Religious Freedom uh, Restoration Act, RIFRA, where they're going to use the government to legislate what they consider to be moralistically correct correct behavior oh lovely yeah so we've seen this example 
in the okay you're allowed to discriminate against gay couples because it's against your religious beliefs well okay so now they're using the law to legislate religious beliefs so if you believe that pornography is evil maybe we can legislate that too on that basis well we have scary in this country uh we legislate against particular types of fetishes um yeah and uh that you know, it's bloody useless in an yeah, online Yeah, how's that world? working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> People will find it online. People will always be able to find and watch the porn that they want to, want to watch. It's the same in it's the same in England. Uh, they have the the, uh, the 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 no. There was a big uh, face sitting protest a while ago in London where the the uh, face uh, anything that's perceived to be sexually aggressive has been uh, uh, outlawed. Uh, the production has been outlawed in England, like bondage or whipping or pissing. Or- yeah, that sort of thing. And there's concern that that might actually that sort of legislation. It's been passed in 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 Israel as well. That that sort of legislation may start making its way into the United we States. We can't even have nappies well. in this country. <laughs> Please tell me you're kidding. No, I'm not. You're not kidding. We can't have pigtails, nappies, nothing. Oh, no. No one's going to listen. Not that I'm really oh. big into pigtails, but you know what I mean. That's, oh my goodness, yeah. But the, you know what? That make That's a place where they can start. Yeah. And I do actually see that coming. And the, the question of uh, pornography regulation actually did come up during the confirmation of our attorney general uh the senator orrin hatch from from utah asked jeff sessions our new attorney general about his willingness to reopen a bureau that actively prosecutes violations of the united states obscenity laws and jeff sessions said he would be open to that so we're already seeing the doors start to creak open with government involvement in regulating the industry and i think it's only going to get wider and there are people in the industry who are very concerned about this right now Dirk, will any studio be using condoms in five years' time? I suspect there'll be a few left, yes. Um, for no other reason. I mean, I, I suspect conservatism will probably prevail with a few of them. I think there's going to be a, a an understanding that the world at large are, are the excuse that because we have prep, we can go bareback now in, in porn is a very United States-centric uh, viewpoint in the sense that Yes, we have prep. However, porn doesn't stay in the States. It not only comes out to other first world countries like Australia, which is now finally coming around to having prep, uh, hopefully at some point in the near future, but then it goes to Indonesia or to African nations or Middle Eastern nations where use of even a con- you know, prep is first of all unheard of still. Use of a condom is considered unmanly among straight people, yeah. let alone among homosexuals. So, you know, you, there's still a use globally for some sort of demonstration of this. I don't see that it's it's an ethical issue, a moral issue in terms of the, what the production is, but I still think it's it's useful to have at least a couple of studios producing condom porn. Yeah, it goes back to the education bit. It's, we're setting that example. And I realized, uh, I believe after coming to Australia the last time, our view in the U.S. is it's pretty close-minded when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of the world doesn't have prep available to them. Most of the people, most of the people we talk to, aren't even aware of its existence. And so, if you're going to market a product that doesn't, that sort of assumes naively that the world has access to this medication, it's setting a bad example. And I think there are studios that realize this and are going to continue to use condoms. We do speak from a very privileged position. Absolutely, we do. Finally, uh, will there be more fisting videos in five years' time? Oh, I think there are already far less fisting videos now. Europe will still produce them. <laughs> I have no idea is the answer. I don't. I, I actually think 
uh, we were talking about this earlier. Things are getting edgier and edgier. We might see an increase. Well, no. Here's the thing: is I think things like this go in cycles. I think mm-hmm. that, I think that you know they're that like you know we've we've walked away from producing studio uh, 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 porn with storylines, and now we're starting to see a resurgence again. I, I think we've moved away from producing you know kinkier material because it wasn't selling all that well. Also, now there's now going to be a dearth in the market because we're not producing it, and it's mm-hmm. going to it's it'll resurge again. I think that's I think that it, it's just a cycle that's going to come about. What will change probably far more noticeably in terms of how studios produce is how studios get set up that then survive. Yeah. Um, the days of the old studios where you had you know, the specialist cameramen and the specialist people who knew how to run the editing software and the people who knew how to market these things and so forth are long gone because what an awful lot of overhead. What you see starting in terms of studios now that survive and thrive are a guy getting together with his boyfriend and saying, I'm going to do the acting if you can do the camera. Nice. And... You know, we'll have guys over. We'll produce it. We can actually put it together on the laptop and throw it onto the onto the website ourselves and so forth. No overhead in terms of people. You can you can pack, Two, four, five, seven. Up, pack up the laptop and, and the camera and go and film in in a hotel room anywhere in the world. And uh, that's huh. that's the sort of thing that I see far happening far more often. Well, and, and I think and as you cut down an overhead like this, you're familiar with Rule Thirty Four, I imagine. Uh, if it exists, there's porn for it. There will always be a market. For anything that you can produce. And if you've got a small studio with low overhead and you've got a niche that you can produce for, it'll sell. Everyone's a porn star. Jesse Jackman, your uh, Twitter is? At Jesse Jackman XXX. And your website is? Jesse Jackman dot XXX. And you can also find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jesse Jackman. Dirk Kamer, your Twitter? At Dirk Kaber. And your website? Is DirkKaber.com. And again, I'm on Facebook also as slash Dirk Gaber. Dirk, Jesse, thank you for joining us on Inside HIV. Thank you so much thank for, you for having us. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please be sure to rate it on your favorite podcast app, and that helps others to find us. And do share the show with your friends as well. Generally, when you go to medical and sexual health, they tell you over the phone if you've got some, got gonorrhea, syphilis, whatever. But for this particular instance, they refused to tell me over the phone. And when I asked them why, all they would say was, sorry, we can't talk to you about it over the phone, you have to come in. This young man went from diagnosis to a suicide attempt to marching in Pride March, out, proud and fighting HIV stigma, all in less than 12 months. Find out how in the next episode of Inside HIV. I'm Dean Beck. Stay positive. Inside HIV, the podcast for positive people. Visit InsideHIV.net or download from iTunes. Made possible thanks to the Victorian AIDS Council, the AC Working Together and Vive Healthcare Positive Action Community Grants. Follow us on Twitter at HIV Podcast and like us on Facebook. Inside HIV, the podcast for positive people.